welcome to Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, number one best-selling author of Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, a Holistic Approach, Evolutionary Healer, Navigating the Clickety-Clack, How to Have a Peace-Filled Life in a Seemingly Toxic World, and my latest book called Sensitivity is Your Superpower, where you will learn how to harness your sensitivity gifts into a superpower. So if you are a sensitive soul like I am, you can get uh, my free Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide at SensitiveSoulGuide.com. And learn the three ways of navigating your way to more peace, positivity, and personal power so you can have the life of your dreams and fulfill your mission. And my passion is to help you shine your light so together we can pull the world out of darkness. Thanks so much for being here. And if you love what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with others. And if you've been following me for a while, you'll know that I have a guest on the show that I have personally been very, very interested in their work and learning so much. And I am a consummate student, meaning that I just love learning, 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 learning. Uh, That's just who I am. And so I love to bring people to you um, that will share some, a new aspect of wellness and uh, whether it be health or prosperity or, you know, relationships. Um, And so this week is no different. I actually have Christine Koth with me today. And I discovered her through uh, actually a Facebook ad. <laughs> I love Facebook for some reason. Um, <laughs> so uh, the Facebook ad, you know, showed this interesting contraption and it said something about releasing your iliacus muscle. I'm like, ooh, I'm really interested in that because I'm, you know, been really interested in like being a better athlete and uh, being a medical doctor. I know about the body, but very few people talk about the iliacus muscle. So I thought, well, that's very interesting. I have to figure out what this is. So I, I got the book, uh, I ended up getting the hip hook because I just felt intuitively like I need this. <laughs> so I, I read the book uh, like back to front, or sorry, front to back really, really quickly and absolutely loved it. Um, There's so many aspects of things that me as a medical doctor did not learn at all about um, back pain because as a medical doctor, you know, we would examine someone with back pain, make sure they didn't have a herniated disc that needed surgery or something more serious that needed surgery. Uh, And then we would generally take people, you know, uh, you know, give them a prescription for physical therapy, uh, hope that it gets better. And usually within three months, to some degree, there's a lot of people that do get better, but we never share with people how to treat themselves and what's going on, like why they have back pain and um, how they can prevent it. Because what happened with me is that I was doing this, uh, this new Pilates uh, class, uh, Zoom class with my skating coach. And um, I started having kind of dysfunction in, in my hip and it was bothering me on the ice. And so when I read Christine's book, it dawned on me that some of the exercises I was doing Pilates and was really kind of forcing myself to do it and do it well was actually aggravating a chronic problem that I had. uh, And then it prevented me from actually being able to function. And I literally went from being able to do this jump, you know, after COVID stopped to doing these classes and then not being able to do the jump until very recently. Uh, So we're going to be talking about the hip hook. We're going to talk about the iliacus muscle. Uh, we're going to talk about how muscle tension can relate to the mind. And we could definitely use some of that advice right now, right? Because people are having a lot of tension and stress right now. Um, and then why the hips and neck, the back are the most common locations for tension um, and how releasing this tension is essential to your physical uh, and emotional well-being in, in this case. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about Christine before I bring her formally on um, 
So uh, she's been working as a physical therapist for many decades, and she started seeing this pattern emerge, a tightness in this muscle uh, called the iliacus. Um, that's caused by too much sitting, and I have to raise my hand on that one because I do a lot of sitting when I do work on the computer. Um, overuse in athletics, I got to <laughs> raise my hand for that one as well. Uh, or being too flexible, and I do have aspects of my body that are very, very flexible and others that are not. Um, and then once she decided to, hey, I'm going to check this on my clients and patients um, and realizing that releasing this muscle using her hands really made a huge difference in how her patients uh, did. Um, and, and this is very unusual because uh, I don't know too many physical therapists personally who have really told me, gosh, you really need to release the iliacus muscle. I've never really heard of it until I read Christine's uh, book. So she went from, you know, frustration by witnessing countless people struggle to figure this stuff out to realizing that there's a way in which she can help people uh, work on their own. And that's what the book's about. That's what the hip hook's about. And we're going to be talking about that um, a little bit later. And if you'd like to know, if you are like, are like, let me tell you know, let me learn about the hip hook. Um, I have an affiliate link for you. It's karencan.com forward slash hip hook. And um, there actually is a uh, coupon code as well uh, for that. So you can get, uh, it's Dr. Karen, I believe. Uh, I'll just double check that. <laughs> um, and so you can get um, a deal on that. So we want to thank Christine for that deal as well. So without further ado, welcome, Christine. Did we lose? Oh, sorry. Got to unmute you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Karen. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited. I know you're a busy gal, and with the launch of the hip hook and everything like that, it's, it's, it, you know, and Christmas and everything, it, it's been a challenge. I, I saw that there were uh, three, uh, two, three, I can't remember how many uh, referral orders that came in uh, just since we emailed last night about this. So I'm super excited. I know it's been a while since we contacted you and, and to get on, on you and our schedules, but uh, I'm so excited to, to learn more about this thing. And, and a lot of people are like, Ilya, what? <laughs> what? Exactly. What I didn't about? know I had one of those. What is that thing? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> now, of course, you being a physical therapist, you know, your original training, of course, you know all about it. But um, tell us a little bit about uh, your journey, you know, uh, about, first of all, like why you decided to become a physical therapist and then why focusing on the iliacus now, because you are like basically the world expert in this area. Sure, I'd love to share. Yeah, you know, I, I've always, like, from the moment I was born, I've always been someone who has thought to be of service. You know, I've just always wanted mm. to help people. I remember my, my grandmother um, at a very young age, she would always be, you know, helping out her neighbors and volunteering. And, you know, I just really saw that as, as like, a wonderful way to live life. Um, and really that led me to towards my path to be a physical therapist. You know, I really knew that. There are people struggling, whether it's with some sort of disability or some sort of pain that um, potentially um, with, a, with intelligence and in a, in a wide open heart um, that I could potentially help and serve. Um, and plus, I'm like, you know, like you were saying, you know, you love learning. You love, you just have yeah. an unquenchable thirst for knowledge. I'm the same way. I just want to understand everything about the world, you know, about how we work, how our bodies work, how, how, how the universe works, you know, all of those pieces of the puzzle. So, you know, physical therapy is a perfect um, career in that way because you really get to co consistently, you know, try to figure things out, right? 
Mm-hmm. You know, which is really what led me to the iliacus. You know, I was looking at people's bodies and, you know, trying to figure out what was the source of their pain, not just treating the symptoms, which is what a lot of people do, um, but really looking at, well, why is this person having knee pain? Why is this person having foot pain? Why are they having back pain? You know, what's going on with their pelvic floor? You know, all these pieces of the puzzle. And over years of practice, started seeing, like you mentioned, how the hip flexor really impacts the rest of the body. Now, for those of you that don't know what your hip flexor is, um, it's a group of muscles that are attached to your pelvis, attached to your spine, and your femur or your leg bone. And it's really core to the center of your body because it really connects your upper body to your lower body, your, you know, your spine to your legs. Um, and there's two muscles in there that are um, of particular import- importance, the, the psoas, uh, which some people have heard of, and the iliacus, which almost nobody has heard of. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the, those two muscles are responsible for really the alignment of your spine in relation to your lower body. So you can imagine if there was something going on with those muscles, how that could affect anything going up the chain, up the spine into your neck or upper body, and similarly going down the chain, you know, whether it's your low back, mm. hip, knee, foot, et cetera. Yeah, so treating people over all these years, identifying that tightness in this area was super common and oftentimes the missing piece that was oftentimes not addressed when it was addressed with prolonged pressure with my magic hands, um, <laughs> then their symptoms were finally able to resolve. Um, so this is really what led me to like this curiosity and investigation with, you know, deciding to write a book on the subject and deciding to create a tool that people could release this muscle on their own at home. Mm, yeah, that's great. And what uh, what I really appreciate in, in part of the book is that you actually have kind of like a um, uh, a quiz. Like people can take a look at these kind of symptoms and do a little test so you can kind of figure out, you know, what side is like the dominating side we should work on. Um, and then not only are you talking about, you know, releasing the iliacus muscle, but then talking about prevention, you know, like how do we prevent this from happening? How to, you know, treat it, of course. And then like, how do we reset it ourselves? Because not everyone's going to have you in their community. <laughs> Right, to release. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I think you're empowering people uh, with the book. And I really appreciate that, that chart that you had in there. So I could see like what, you know, what side, because I have, you know, some issues on both sides. So I was like, hmm, which is, you know, yeah. which, which one should I work on this week? And that's really, really uh, useful. Um, and I did want to tell people who are listening in live that you can call in and get a, uh, some advice from Christine if you'd like to call in and ask a question. The number to call in is 818-514-1190. Hit one so we know your hand is up. Uh, I, I know a lot of people just like to listen in, but if you'd like to comment or ask about your own pain issues, uh, the number is 818-514-1190. And like I said, hit one. And I did look up that coupon code, folks. Uh, it is Dr. Karen, D-R-K-A-R-E-N, all one word in capitals. And you can uh, take a look at the hip hook in the book um, at karencan.com forward slash hip hook, uh, all one word. Um, and that is my affiliate link. Um, so, Christine, tell us a little bit uh, about, um, you know, people have heard, I think, about the hip flexor. And, and many athletes specifically have heard about the psoas muscle being so important. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, 
everyone's saying, well, this is important, this is important, but we don't really hear about the iliacus that much. So maybe you can share with us, like, why is that? Like, why is everybody focused on the psoas, not the iliacus? And what's the difference? It's a great, it's a great question. I wish I knew why people were so focused on the psoas and not the iliacus. The iliacus is a huge muscle. If you look at your own hand, it is about the size of your hand. So it's mm. not something that's small and insignificant by any means. Um, it attaches to the inside surface of your pelvis. So if you put your hands on your hips and you put your fingertips towards that front bone in the front of your pelvis, and then right inside that bone is where the iliacus lives. And it really covers most of the inside of your, of your pelvis. Um, then it travels down and attaches to the front of your hip near your groin or your inner thigh. So um, why people don't focus on it, I'm not sure. Um, it's a mystery to me because I started really looking at this right out of college. You know, one of my very first clients that came into me with knee pain ended up having a tight iliacus as the source of her knee pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something super, super interesting to, to note. And I was, you know, grateful for you kind of um, outlining what was in the book because one of the things that I think is very interesting is that not only do people not know that they have an iliacus, but they don't know that it's tight. Because right. oftentimes that tightness doesn't manifest in a symptom that is directly related to where that muscle is. So you could be walking around for decades of your life, literally decades of your life with tension in your iliacus and have no idea. And the only way you would know is that there would be some sort of symptoms that would start to manifest, like maybe knee pain, maybe arch pain, like plantar fasciitis, maybe you're starting to develop mm. a bunion on one foot, maybe back pain on one side, a side joint pain, and you start to see a pattern. That's one way. Another way is to actually palpate or touch that muscle, uh, which is what, you know, one way that the hip hook could work is to assess, you know, do I have tension in this area or not? And if you put pressure on it and it feels tight instead of soft and squishy or it feels painful, then you know that tension exists in that muscle because happy muscles don't hurt. So if you press on a muscle and it hurts, that's a sign that it's not happy. You know, so these are all things that are worth investigating, even if you aren't sure if you have tension in that muscle, because like I said, most people wouldn't know. Um, and you may be doing some, you know, amazing stretching routines. Maybe you're doing yoga, you know, deep lunge stretches are typically what would get at the hip flexor complex. But when you have a muscle that's holding tension because it's frightened or it's protecting you, stretching isn't enough. Uh, Stretching does not cause that muscle to relax. And that's when the prolonged pressure techniques can really be effective at changing those patterns. Right. And I think this is a a little bit of a misconception or a myth because we're like, oh yeah, I, I, you know, I've seen so as, you know, hip flexor stretches and, and and you actually, you know, recently had a great blog article with pictures, you know, about like focusing Mm -hmm. on the different muscles around the hip to help with the stretching. Um, But what I have found is when I look at people, well, previously when I was in class, you know, I look at people doing like your typical hip flexor stretch. um, It's people do it really wrong. Like their, their pelvis is twisted because it's tight, right? And so they, they compensate 
with this twist and and um and I'm like no <laughs> that's not that's not going to work and it's yep. so easy to do it like ineffectively well I don't want to say wrong but but ineffectively um and like you said and and my experience absolutely is is stretching um if that fascia and that muscle has got a knot and tightness um the yep. stretching just goes so far and it's not enough yeah, exactly. And, you know, the benefit of stretching is that it helps. It's like, a, it's like exercise for your muscle. It's exercise instead of strengthening, you're working on teaching it how to elongate. Mm. But it doesn't change whether or not it wants to hold tension. It, mm. That doesn't change. So if you think about it, every muscle in our body is connected to two bones. And when it contracts, it pulls on those two bones and makes movement, you know, basically moves a bone. So if you have a, a section of that muscle, and you used a great term that a lot of people are familiar with, which is like a knot, a muscle knot, right? If you have a section mm-hmm. of that muscle that is holding tension, and you can call it a knot, when you go to stretch that muscle, it's going to be pulling on your bones in a different way than if it were completely unknotted. And then when you stop stretching, that knot's still there. It doesn't go away. Um, and so this is, you know, another term that sometimes people use for this uh, muscle knot is a trigger point, um, muscle tension, hypertonicity is another term. Um, but all of that means really that the muscle is choosing to hold tension. And this goes into like uh, the, the topic that you um, introduced uh, earlier on about how our mental health <laughs> you know, really uh, impact whether or not we have muscle tension, right? Because Mm -hmm. muscles choose to hold tension because the brain tells them to, you know. The Mm. brain is saying this area is under threat or this area um, has been traumatized before or I've had a traumatic experience around this area of our body, which a lot of us have had in our pelvic floor, Um, maybe, you know, you're sitting too much and you're holding, like you're stressed out and you're holding tension in your pelvic floor for that reason. Maybe you've gone too far in a yoga stretch. Maybe you've had a slip or a fall. And there's many, many reasons, surgeries, um, inflammation. (laughs) The list goes on, right? The list goes on, right. Yeah, and the the brain decides, you know, okay, this is an area I want to keep an eye on and I'm going to hold a bit of tension here to protect it because I don't want, you know, I don't want things to fall apart. And that's the start of that tension. And it's really changing that pattern, which is what will change the effect of tension on your body. If you can train your brain and your muscle to let go of that tension and that it's actually safe and it's okay that's what, you know, is where you can achieve those, those long-term benefits, mm-hmm. different than stretching. Right. Yes. And, and, and I, I mean, you know, I'm learning more about, I just read a book on uh, uh, fascia, <laughs> you know, a book on water. And yeah. it's just so interesting how ev- like er- everything is connected to everything. Um, and so that makes sense that, that even if we have tension in our iliacus, that that could affect our neck right? Or even the bottom of our feet. So maybe you can speak a little bit about yeah. that uh, distance, yes. you know, symptom. Yep, absolutely. So tension, if you have tension in an area of your body, it could be anywhere. Um, 
because everything is connected to everything else through bones and through connective tissue or fascia, when you're pulling in one area, it's going to pull on everything else. So it's kind of like if you have a snag in your in your shirt, you know, and mm. you start pulling on that string, everything, you know, pretty soon, you know, you're pulling at the bottom of your sweater and the, and the top short shoulder is, is coming unraveled. So that's, that's a little bit about how the fascia works in our body. So there's that piece of how something in your hip could affect your neck. Um, but then there's also the, the, the physics of the mechanics of the biomechanics of the body, which means that when there's tension in the iliacus, that tension when you're standing or walking around or doing you know, normal life would be constantly pulling your pelvis forward. This is called an anterior mm. rotation or an anterior tilt, which, you know, some people are familiar with that term. So that means, you know, when you're just kind of trying to live life, your, your pelvis is constantly pulled forward. And what that will do is that it'll play tug of war with the muscles in the back of your body, like your piriformis and your glutes and your hamstrings, um, which will cause them to want to be tight too, to counteract that pulling. So that can happen and develop over time and, you know, lead to things like sciatica and um, mm-hmm. glute pain. Um, but then also that pulling forward changes the way that the hip, the ball of the hip fits into the socket because the socket no longer is in its proper position. The socket is pulled forward and that makes it so that the ball doesn't quite fit into the socket the same way. And that changes the mechanics of the entire leg. So then the, the leg, the, the leg bone, the femur will rotate in the inside of the knee will be strained. The outside of the knee will be compressed. The kneecap won't line up well on the, um, on the femur, the foot will overpronate mm. and which become flatter. The toe will start to go out to the side. So it works its way all the way down. And it all starts because that pelvis is not in good alignment and it's not in the neutral. And then similarly, if you work your way up the spine, that forward rotation causes the SI joint, which is where your tailbone and your pelvis intersect. It causes a rotation or a twist there, which twists your lumbar spine, which works its way all the way up to your shoulders and then your shoulder drops down and then your head's a little bit off and then you end up with tension in your neck and maybe even your jaw. Um, all as a result of uh, something working in your hip. It's kind of crazy. It's like a train, right? Everything's like the caboose and like is everything like connected and oh my it gosh. It is. It's so crazy. Well, and yeah. I, I actually yeah. ended so up investing be- in a in a, you know, after reading your book, I actually ended up, because I know I sit so much, Christine, um, and I'm just not yeah. comfortable in my chair. I ended up buying a $1,500 Sally chair from Finland. Um, to I, I'm still not sitting properly because I have bad habit of like shifting my hip to one side, and, you know, instead of sitting squarely sure. on it. I'm still working on it. But I just figured if I'm going to be sitting this many hours in front of the computer and stuff and then go from sit to stand to sit to stand, which is more healthy, I might as well sit properly. And so it's helping me not do that. Thing where I was sway back or, you know, curling my back and yep. things that you were talking about. Yep. 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 Sitting posture. I mean, we're all sitting so much more and our mm. bodies really aren't, aren't made to sit. So we do have to try to introduce different aspects into our lifestyle to try to counteract, um, you know, what our bodies really are meant to do. So that's great. You know, good chairs are great changing positions. You know, I always recommend every 30 
30 minutes to set a timer and just get up, move mm-hmm. around, you know, do a couple stretches. That can make a huge difference as well. Because oftentimes, too, when we're sitting, especially when we're engaged in something, which is typically most of the time, you're working, you might be on a Zoom call, you know, you're like, you know, passionate about something, you're not thinking that so much nope. about your posture. And <laughs> you're oftentimes a little bit on edge, you know, you're in your holding tension, you, you don't even know that you're squeezing your legs together, or pulling your hips up, or arching your back a little bit excessively or something like that. And that tension can can really then develop into muscle, long term muscle tension over time. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. And then that, you know, just like where you're people, so many people are uh, using their laptops, which, and my um, desktop was so old, I, I hadn't invested in a new one for a while and realized I was, I was looking down all day, you know, yeah. uh, down, down, down. And then wondering why I'm having yeah. lines, turkey lines on my neck, like, duh. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was the, that was the uh, incentive to like, okay, I'm on my desktop computer now, you know, so I can look straight. <laughs> you know, at my screen and, and, and have this, yeah. I have a standing desk that rolls up and down. I mean, I'm really serious about this stuff now, guys. So, <laughs> so I can be healthier and, and really take responsibility um, for the structure. Um, yeah. So Christine, I want to share with you that um, one of the things that really struck me in your book that was super interesting as well was, and I know it's a little controversial, you know, um, for depending on who you talk to, um, but you were talking about the dangers of um, yoga <laughs> uh, um, and Pilates. <laughs> and we don't want to, we're not, you know, I've got, you know, obviously, you know, people that are friends of mine, you know, who are Pilates teachers, yoga teachers, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, we were talking very, very specifically of how potentially it could be um, difficult or challenging for people who already have iliac issues or possibly could contribute to iliacus issues. Uh, so maybe you could share a little bit about your perspective on those practices. Yes. Yeah. I absolutely love yoga and I absolutely love Pilates. Um, there's just a piece of the puzzle that's missing in terms of um, how we go about those practices um, that if tweaked, you know, this would be amazing if, you know, worldwide all yoga teachers could just implement some of these philosophies into their practice, then we would have so many more, so many, you know, so much less injury on the mat. Um, you know, ultimately it comes down to, to two things. One is that if you are holding tension in your iliacus, uh, like we've been discussing, and you go into a yoga practice or a Pilates practice where you're using your hip flexor muscles a lot. So an example of this would be in Pilates when you are, you know, you're lying on your back and you're lifting your legs up off the ground and, you know, whatever pattern, whether you're doing the hundred or you're doing, you know, some sort of bicycle move, all of those use your hip flexors a lot. And there's nothing inherently wrong with using your hip flexors, right? I mean, they're meant to be used. But if you are holding tension in those muscles and those muscles are already tight, that means that those muscles are contracting all the time, all day, mm. every day, when you're sleeping, when you're brushing your teeth. And then if you ask them to work more, number one, they're already going to be a little bit weak because they're fatigued and tight muscles are not strong. So you will, you will end up trying to use a muscle that's already weak and tired. And then you're asking it to do more work when it's been working <laughs> 24-7. So 
so that's just really then so there's that piece plus you're pulling on a muscle or contracting a muscle that's already holding tension which then affects the mechanics of the body which is what we were just talking about so if you were to, to engage in using your hip flexors a lot, like in a Pilates or even like in yoga when we do boat pose or we're doing like, um, you know, standing where you lay, lift one leg out in front of you, that's using your hip flexors a lot. Mm. So all of those things, if you want to do those things, it's great. But you want to make sure that your hip flexor is relaxed and happy so that it has the bandwidth to withstand contracting and strengthening, Right. So first, like, you know, if you started every Pilates class with releasing the tension in your iliacus and psoas, then went in to doing the strengthening exercises, that would be absolutely brilliant, and it would prevent mm. Ah, I see, I similarly, see. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, so then similarly, so the second thing that happens in some of these, um, this would be more towards yoga, is yoga, you know, a lot of yoga poses, um, like, what we all strive for is to, you know, stretch deeper or go deeper into a pose. A lot of people that gravitate towards yoga, most people that gravitate towards yoga are actually kind of good at it, right? Their bodies are built in a way where they can easily go and touch their toes. You know, they can um, maybe do a figure four stretch with, with ease. And so those bodies that are typically good at yoga are also more flexible or more mobile than the average person. Mm. So, you know, our, our goal in life and everything is to maintain balance and equanimity and to get yourself towards the center, not be swinging from one side to the other. If you're too mobile, you need more strength. If you're too strong, you need more mobility. So people who typically do yoga are more mobile or hypermobile, and then they're going and pushing that mobility more, right? Going deeper mm. in the poses, you know, trying to get further. And what that does, it creates more of a, um, more of like an imbalance, basically, where they're getting more and more mobile, less and less strong. And with it, lots of hypermobility or too much mobility, it's another really common reason for why your brain would choose to create muscle tension because the muscles are like the last straw to help hold that joint together. You know, say you're going super deep into yoga pose, you know, you're, you're doing, you know, pigeon and, you know, one leg forward, the other one's back, you know, your pelvis is in, it's in a kind of a compromised position where it's going to say, you know what, I'm not sure this is good. Like, am I going to twist something? Is my hip going to pop out? You know, (laughs) but you know, it's like, so that's what makes the brain choose to hold muscle tension. And then that iliacus and that psoas start to become tight and hold tension And then that develops into mechanical issues like we discussed before. And the thing that's really interesting with yoga and with stretching, we go back to this conversation around stretching, is that you can be holding, you can have a muscle knot in your muscle, and you can have the ability to go into the deepest stretch to stretch that muscle. So we're talking about the hip flexor. You can go super deep into a lunge stretch. All your form looks great. You know, all of it looks wonderful wow, you know, it looks like your hip flexor is fine. Mm-hmm. But then when you come out of that stretch and you lay down at rest, that hip flexor muscle is still holding tension. Hmm. 
So that tension, it's the tension that you're holding every day of everything that you do while you take the dog for a walk that's throwing your mechanics off and eventually leading to knee pain or foot pain or whatever the the deal might be. So going too deep into poses without making sure that your iliacus is relaxed and not holding tension has a potential to perpetuating that, making that tension worse or, you know, not resolving. Mm, so if we I just see. change those two simple things, you know, really just making sure that our iliacus and psoas are relaxed before we initiate and think more about if you're very mobile, think more about uh, using yoga for strengthening, shortening your stance, you know, focusing on pulling in and up instead of out and, you know, wider into your poses um, will provide the benefits of yoga without making you more susceptible to creating muscle tension. Mm, it's interesting. There's, there's a famous yoga teacher, um, uh, Rodney Yee, who you may be familiar with. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one of his uh, students was a friend of a friend of mine. And uh, when she started taking his class, now she, she was like Gumby woman. Okay. <laughs> like you're talking about the yeah. super flexible people. And uh, so she was doing this thing with her shoulders and just was like super flexible. And he said, stop. He said, stop, you are not doing this safely. You know, you're just letting like your joints just like flail. He didn't say flail around. I wasn't there, but she was describing how he was like, no, this is too much. You you know, you are, you're very, you know, ligamentous laxity, but you you need to hold your structure in place. So he got her to, you know, really be much more conservative. Uh, about her range of motion and that really struck me because I was like what really don't you want to be flexible you know (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah yeah I thought that was super super uh super interesting now I just started not that long ago thanks to the pandemic uh, I just started CrossFit at home my husband's a big CrossFit fan Mm -hmm. and he's got this amazing mesomorphic structures you know build muscle easily not the most flexible person but he's just really strong and so I not so much I was more the flexible person not so strong so I'm doing all these squats you know I'm doing and learning to squat down really low and so tell us a little bit about um you know um maybe those kinds of actions those squats with weights and things like that um are those a problem for the iliacus for some people Yeah, so every muscle in our body has um, a certain length that it's strongest in. Mm -hmm. So, and it's usually the mid length. So, if you look at your bicep, for example, if Mm. you have your bicep, if you have your arm completely flexed, your elbow completely flexed, and you try to use your bicep, it's going to be weaker than if. And if you have it completely straight, your arm completely straight, and you try to use your bicep, it's going to be weaker. But your bicep will be strongest somewhere in the middle of that range of motion. So when you um, are using a muscle, so going back into squats, now we're talking about the hip flexors. Your hip flexors, remember, are what connect your spine to your pelvis to your hip. So when you're using or bending anything at the hip or the spine, those muscles are, their job is to hold everything together, right? Hold your spine so it doesn't fall off, keep your hips in place, all of that. So when you are, and you're in that beginning stage of the squat where you're first starting to go down, say to maybe uh, like a, like a box squat, you know, down to where your, your hips are at 90 degrees and your knees are at 90 degrees roughly, 
you're very strong in that position. Your hip flexor is able to stabilize you. You, you know, your, all your glute muscles are strong because they're in their mid range too. And you're, you're very, very strong. Once you start going deeper past that, you know, that um, parallel plane to the ground where your butt starts to go below that, Mm-hmm. That is where that muscle starts to get into a shortened position, more and more shorter. And um, at the end range of that, where you're in the deepest part of your squat, your hip flexor complex, your psoas and your iliacus are going to be the weakest because it's going to be in its shortened position. Um, so this is, you know, it's a precarious place. Um, if you don't have enough strength, in that muscle to stabilize your spine and your hips and your pelvis while you're in that compromised position, it can commonly pull something out of whack or you could pull your back or your hip or you could, you know, have some sort of issue that could develop in that because you don't have as much bandwidth, you know, of strength in that position. And this typically happens once you start, you know, Doing a squat on its own with like a, you know, a light amount of weight is typically not a big deal. But once you start building more and more strength and you start adding more and more weight, you know, and you're kind of pushing yourself to your max in that compromised position, you are setting yourself up for the potential for you have a higher risk of injury there because of that reason. And I've seen lots of people who do CrossFit that end up hurting themselves at the deepest point in the squat. Um, you know, which is like, and there is a benefit to deep, you know, the science has shown how really getting at that end range of motion helps you with explosiveness, you know, helps, you know, for certain athletic endeavors. But if you're just like a normal, you know, <laughs> a normal person just trying to stay healthy, right. You know, you're right. Not and not, not a CrossFit athlete that's going to the finals yeah, or something. Yeah. Or even like, you know, if you're, uh, let's say, a baseball player, you know, and you need to work on like your explosiveness for sprinting around the bases. And there's, there's you know, athletic, there's athletic purposes for that type of thing. Um, but there's risks associated with it. Everything has its own risks, right? Mm. Uh, but if you're just a, you know, a, a person just wanting to stay in shape and wanting to stay healthy, you know, in my opinion, going all the way down to the deepest part of the squat is very risky. And you can get the benefit of a squat by staying closer to that 90 degrees or that box squat type um, um, exercise instead of going, going too deep. That is very safe. You will, you know, the likelihood of you hurting your hip flexor or causing, you know, SI joint pain or low back pain in that position is very low. Mm, that's very interesting. Now, I don't know if you've seen any uh, ads for this, but there's some device. Uh, uh, I've figured out a way of doing it without the device, but it's a thing that it's called the, oh gosh, it's, called, it's um, DB or something. Anyway, it's, it supposedly helps your pelvic floor, but I think it's more marketing there. But what you sit on this thing, it looks like half of a seesaw, and your back okay. stays completely straight while you do a squat. Uh, so normally you couldn't do that because you would fall backwards, right? You have usually have to lean yep. forward, right? So you don't fall backwards. This one you can go straight up and down because you're on this device. And uh, it's supposedly ah. easy on the knees. And I was like, yeah, it actually is easier on the knees. So what I do actually is I just hold, I have a, a CrossFit um, frame thing thingy, and then yep. I just hold a strap. So I'm more upright. And it does, mm-hmm. it, it does decrease the, the, the knee uh, um, challenges, 
when I go down into a squat. Mm-hmm. So just curious whether or not that changes the iliacus angle or like, is that safer, not safer? I'm trying to, it's like trying to give a haircut over the phone. I'm trying to describe to you what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, okay. So when it comes to knee, so knee pain, okay, yeah, a couple things. So one thing is when when your knees go forward of your toes, your your patella, your kneecap will have more pressure on it. So if you are to knee issues, especially if your iliacus is tight and your alignment is off, um, you know, that can be a factor. And I can see if you're if you're able to sit back using this your strap or whatever, you're gonna be able to keep your knees behind your toes more easily. So that's one mm-hmm. reason why it might be feel better on your knees. The other thing is that the angle, so you mentioned the angle between your leg bone or your femur and your pelvis would be more open, right? It can mm-hmm. take back. Um, and that openness there would make that hip flexor more in neutral, more in its mid-range, which is going to make it more stronger, which is going to make it more able to hold you and stabilize you during a squat. So that would absolutely be a safer way of, of going deeper into the squat because you're keeping that um, muscle length at a, at a more optimal um, position. Yes. Yes. That totally makes sense. Um, now in your book, you I'm mentioned that. About this device. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll have, to, I'll have to like, you know, you know, Facebook is listening, right? So I'm sure Facebook will just show it. To yeah, you. exactly. <laughs> So then I'll just, you know, private message you on on this device. I mean, it's not that it's terribly expensive, but I was just like, well, let's see, how can I do this? I don't have room in my house, you know, for yet another device. So I just, uh, what I did was I just held a a strap uh, um, and and I was able to just hold that position up and down. And anyway, so I thought that was pretty cool to be able to do that. Um, So, yeah, I I actually experienced with um, the hip hook. Now I had other... uh, paraphernalia, if you will, in the house to try to release the psoas in, in the past um, and then the iliacus with different balls and things like that. And before I was really doing a lot of like hip stuff because I could feel tension in my glute medius, um, mm-hmm. but I wasn't releasing the iliacus very, um, uh, you know, effectively. So uh, then I ordered the hip hook and my husband seeing what it looked like and I said, well, you know, I'm on pre-order. It's going to be a while before I get it. He goes, well, I'll make you something, right? He's so sweet. So, <laughs> so he finds this wooden dowel. You've got to, i got to picture this. Uh, so he, he finds this wooden dowel, and he, um, he sands it down. So it's like a thumb, like on one end. Okay. And so yep. literally, you're going to laugh, but literally I was leaning against the post. I have these wooden posts in my house with this, mm-hmm. basically looks like a stake, going into my iliac. Mm-hmm. And, and leaning into it and it was getting it. Okay. I'm, I'm just, but unfortunately mm-hmm. I, I was actually uh, putting uh, depressions in my, my wooden, you know, pole on my house. I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> I'm hurting the house. And um, it was, it was, it was helpful. And one of the reasons why I did that, uh, not because I was just impatient, but, but uh, cause one of my friends, CL Walker, who's a, uh, she's also a PT actually, a holistic PT. And she uh, is an expert in foot and ankle and, she has her whole technique on how she does her releases and things like that. She was like, Hey, can you get into a more functional uh, position to release your iliacus instead of lying down? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, okay, let me try this. And so I was doing it in that way. Um, but I have to say that 
uh, that once I got the, the hip hook and was able to fully lie down and relax, I felt like it, I could go deeper because I wasn't, I don't mm-hmm. know, I, it just, there wasn't protection there. So I could go deeper. And then I did notice that um, I have this chronic knee patellar like thing that doesn't track properly sometimes. And I did notice an improvement of that knee thing. And I stopped doing the Pilates for now. Um, because I just couldn't, I, I was just overworking my iliacus and I just didn't feel good. Yeah. Um, so I would love for you to comment, you know, a little bit on this whole, you know, being functional versus not functional positioning, uh, the depth uh, and how the hip hook actually works. Yeah. So, so it's great that you, so you basically kind of tried like a standing method of, of mm-hmm. using your, your little doll rod. <laughs> yep. That's so awesome. I want to, you got to send me a picture of this. I will. Um, so, so, so yeah, I actually, I actually do recommend that people start using the hip hook in standing because you, most people are unfamiliar with this part of their body. You know, they've never mm. pressed into their abdomen before. Nobody's ever touched their iliacus before. You know, they, they're like, Where, where's my pelvis? Where's my hip? You know, there's, there's a little bit of a learning curve and, you know, you're probably more aware, um, you know, than, than others. And so, when you're standing up against a, a wall using the hip hook, you can kind of see a little bit more. You can look down and see where your bones are. You can move it a little easier. Then mm. once you kind of master where, where the location is, then going to the floor um, is great. You know, lying on the floor, ultimately what we're trying to do with the hip hook is provide precise angular pressure that gets exactly at the right spot so that we can train the iliacus to relax. And if you're in a functional active position, it's somewhat effective, but it's not going to be as effective as lying down because you're able to fully relax and breathe and help facilitate that brain to learn how to relax that muscle. Because when you're standing, it has to be working. It's going to be holding you up to some degree, and it can't fully relax in that way. Um, but it is a great place to start. So I definitely, you know, encourage that. Um, when you lie on the hip hook, um, and I've got some great videos online that people can check out of how it works. But when you lie on the hip hook, there's, they're basically lying on this, this tip, which is designed to initially, when you first lay on it, put pressure on the psoas muscle. Um, and the tip is really designed to be like my thumb. It's the, it's the size of the, the pad of my thumb, which is magically releasing iliacus muscles for, for decades. Yep. Um, it's, an, it's, it's even imprinted with my thumb. Tra- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> so when you first lay on it, it's going to be pressing on your psoas. After a few, uh, maybe like 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds, um, your body will start to relax and that muscle will start to relax and the, and the tool will be able to sink a little bit deeper into your body. Mm-hmm. Then it has a lever, which you press on, which rotates that tip to put pressure onto that inside surface of your pelvis where the iliacus lives. Now, the, the only way to get at the iliacus is through an angular pressure. So lying on any mm-hmm. ball foam roller, um, any other device that goes just kind of straight up into your body um, is just not going to get at it. You really have to be able to push in a, in a 45 degree angle towards your pelvic bone in order to get that. 
So when you press on the lever, that tip will push right into the inside surface of your pelvis where the iliacus is. And again, using that prolonged pressure technique of 30 to 90 seconds, that muscle will learn what it's like to relax for, for once. Um, and then you, there's, you know, like I was mentioning before, it's quite a bit of real estate. You know, it's the size of your hand. So moving the hip hook up a little bit or down a little bit or maybe changing the angle at which you're using the hip hook can help access different aspects of that muscle that also may be holding tension. Um, kind of how that works. And it's, it's through the method of that prolonged pressure um, which this, this tool works. Different than rubbing, you know, different than rolling or massaging, those techniques are useful in other ways, you know, useful for scar tissue, useful to increase circulation in muscles, um, to help bring nutrients to the muscles and all of that. But when it comes to changing long-standing tension, the prolonged pressure technique is what I found to be the most effective. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. And in fact, when I was um, in my massage, I was telling my uh, massage therapist when I was face up, I said, hey, you know, can you push your thumbs into my iliacus at this angle? And uh, her immediate, uh, uh, you know, kind of habit was to rub it. Yeah, And I said, no, 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 no. I don't want you to rub it. I just want you to hold it there for at least 30 seconds. And it was so tempting for her to like keep moving, right? (laughs) She's not used to just holding it there. But I could, you know, she goes, oh, I can feel that. I can feel it melt underneath my thumb. And she could go deeper and deeper. And and it was pretty interesting. Although she's, you know, she she still sometimes has to remind her sometimes, no, 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 don't don't move. Just stay. Yeah. Um, I and know. It's fun. My husband and the other I, day was asking. Uh huh. My husband the other day was asking me like, why are why don't more people use prolonged pressure? Mm-hmm. And I don't. It's another thing like why people don't know about the iliacus. I, it's I don't understand. And maybe it's just the way that massage is taught, or maybe yeah. maybe many people who want massages want rubbing, and so that's I don't know. But it is something that I think every massage therapist and physical therapist or manual therapist should at least explore, you know, as a technique. Um, because, you know, I tell you, I've, you know, I've done rubbing type techniques um, throughout my career, and I just don't find them as effective as this prolonged pressure. Yeah, me, me neither. Definitely, I, I feel a big difference. And for me personally, when I'm on the, the hip hook now, of course, you know, like I can um, go pretty deep. I mean, compared to the, the newbie uh, where I'm at right now, and I will find the, the, what I would call trigger point where it feels a little ache. And I will mm-hmm. angle it to a point where I produce the ache. Now, some people are like, oh my God, why do you want to cause a pain? Right. <laughs> but I'm like, no, no, no. Like this is the tension. And so I'll just breathe into it. And sometimes the ache actually starts, tr- uh, not starts, but once I get the right spot, it actually travels which is very typical of trigger points mm-hmm. anyway. If you get the right one, it'll travel down the leg. And sometimes I'll get a wash, like, of, of warmth, you know, down the leg, mm-hmm. like, like, all of a sudden, like, I don't know, like, blood or whatever, you know, energy is, like, whooshing down the leg. And it feels fantastic uh, afterwards. But some people are very scared about pain and maybe squishing the wrong structures, arteries, so maybe you can address that piece, the pain and the, the structures, the dangerous structures. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This, I mean, like I was saying earlier, we're not accustomed, at least not in this country, accustomed to pushing on our abdomen. Um, but our abdomen is an absolute 
least safe place to put pressure. You know, if, if it wasn't safe, we would have a skeleton over our abdomen to protect it. And that's mm. just not the case. Um, you know, it's absolutely okay to touch your intestines, to rub your stomach, to rub your liver, you know, your kidneys. You can, you know, you can go wild, you know, and, and, and be rubbing all of your organs. Um, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, our bodies have an innate system of pain, which will let you know when something is not optimal, right? And, and mm-hmm. or even something is wrong. Um, now there's certain levels of pain. Let's say uh, we've all had tension in our shoulders or our neck where we have like, Oh, you know, can someone just rub my shoulder? And, you know, you press on that muscle and it feels sore and achy. And, mm-hmm. you know, as you, after you press on it or rub it for a little while, it doesn't feel as achy or sore anymore. So that's the kind of sensation that you would be experiencing when you're working on your iliacus and your psoas. You know, it's going to feel sore. You put pressure on it, especially like you mentioned at first, the first 30 seconds, it usually the pain kind of maybe even worsens or feels like it's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you'll feel referral pain where the trigger point will refer somewhere down your leg typically is where it will refer. Um, but usually after 30 seconds, that pain will start to get better, right? And it'll start to become a little bit less and a little bit less. And maybe you can go a little deeper, or push a little harder or something like that. Normal, that's good. That's what you want to happen. Now, if you are pressing on an area and you feel like after 30 seconds, the pain is no better or it's getting worse after 30 seconds, that's an indicator that maybe you're on something that's not ready to be pressed on, you know, or that's not, mm. not it's a little too angry. Um, and if you feel any kind of pain that's like, oh, my God, this seems dangerous, or oh, my gosh, I can't do this, you know, that's also an indicator that your brain is not ready for that or that, that, that you shouldn't be pressing on that spot. It's kind of like, you know, if you put your hand on the hot stove, you immediately stop doing that. <laughs> right you know because in a a way that's not okay right so it's really listening Mm. to your body now it's challenging in this area of the body because most people have not experienced what their iliacus feels like to be pressed on so it's foreign but foreign isn't always bad you know as long as you Mm. press on that that spot and you you know it's getting better over you know the course of that 30 seconds or so then it's going to be just just fine. Um, and that's where a lot of the things, like I was mentioning earlier, using the wall at first, um, using, you know, I've got some videos of how to ease into the hip hook, you know, so that when you are cautious and you're not quite sure, you're not familiar yet, um, you can ease into it and not, you know, not put as much pressure in order to get used to what it is supposed to feel. And then you'll be pretty soon like you are, where you can lie on the thing, you can get super deep, you know, and it's not, not you know, it's not really producing that much in terms of um, discomfort because it's released, you know, because the muscle is much more happy than it was when you first started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm happy to report that, um, you know, I'm really, you know, into this kind of stuff and I have, uh, you know, different programs and, but I, I I really feel that uh, releasing iliacus has helped my knee a lot and I can sense, more what my pelvis is doing in space and because I'm an adult figure skater and you know at the age of mid 50s it's it, you know it's challenging for most of us to hurl our bodies in the air and do a twirl in the air and land on a quarter inch plate right like it's kind of scary <laughs> but I have to say that 
by releasing the iliacus, I can sense better where I am in space and where, like, like my, my psoas, and it's funny because my skating coach will be like, psoas, like she'll actually say the word. Um, and I can feel the, there's a hook into this jump that I need to do that when my psoas and iliacus was tight, I couldn't feel it. I'm like, I knew the technique. I knew intellectually what I was supposed to do, but yeah. I could make my body do it. But then after releasing yep. the iliacus on a regular basis, I was like, oh, I can feel it now, right? And so it was like suddenly I lost this jump for, I don't know, how many weeks, right? And then, and then all of a sudden I have it back. And, and it's, it's so interesting um, how, yeah. what a big difference it can make on my proprioception. Oh, that's a big word for many people on the show, but here, but, you know, my feeling of where I am in space and wh- yeah. feeling where my pelvis should be. Yeah. Yeah, you know, a lot of people will gravitate towards the hippos because they're in some sort of pain. You know, that's like the biggest motivator, right? Like, this isn't right. My mechanics aren't right. You know, like, I want to fix that. Pain is usually the biggest motivator. But there is a huge performance um, enhancement aspect to having a relaxed iliacus, whether you're a runner, a cyclist, a triathlete, a figure skater, a gymnast, yogi, you know, there you can um, do the activities that you're, that you're embarking upon when you have a good core that is not tight and is, is functioning properly, telling you where you are in space, allowing your hips to have full range of motion without being tugged on or pulled on. Um, like I'm working with a, a elite pro triathlete. In fact, we're doing a little um, webinar later this week uh, who who drastically increased his uh, runtime in his latest triathlon by using the hip hook. So there is that performance enhancement piece as well. You know, happy muscles are happy in all areas of life, right? <laughs> um, so I'm glad that that's ha- that you're experiencing that, um, you know, with your figure skating as well. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Well, I actually enjoy the feeling and, and being kind of investigative, like, where is it? Where is it? Where's that spot, you know, yeah. and, and finding it because it's a little bit more challenging now because I've released so much of it that it's becoming a little bit smaller and smaller. So I have to kind of, you know, change positions in the hip hook looking for it and I can and it feels super deep um, in a good way. And I unfortunately, I haven't been able to convince my husband and his CrossFit friends to try it yet. Because I, you know, they over Christmas, we had some people over and, and they, they, you know, laid on it and went, oh, my God. And I'm like, well, you know, yep. you have to start a little slower. And they're like, oh, my God, I can't do this. And I'm like, well, <laughs> if you can't do it means there's a problem. You know, you really got to exactly. work on it. Anyway, so these guys, I'm like, guys, come on. I know you're super strong. But I'm like, hey, I can. And they look at me lying on this thing and they're like, God, how can you do that? <laughs> Oh, anyway, you know, I want to introduce you to to a really good friend of mine, and uh, she's um, the, the holistic physical therapist I was telling you about, who's a, a finagle specialist. Her name is DL Walker, and she's the creator of the Correctisize program. So I'm using her program and the Hip Hook, and working really great together. And I just wanted to connect you two. So let me unmute DL. Hey, DL. Hey there. Yeah, hey, I know you just joined Hello. us, but. Uh, Great to have you. I, I did. I did join you at uh, a little bit uh, later on, and, and I do want to endorse, you know, what you're talking about as far as um, the working from the abdomen as a manual therapist. It, um, it's a life changer. 
um, which is really cool. And actually, it's what we're going to be working on this week in Correctisize. <laughs> so I know. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Also. And um, so my question is, um, with the device, are you able to target the insertion on the lesser trochanter, or is it really just the um, – the anterior um, ilium that you're able to address the um, device with. Are you able, to, my question, are you able to go ahead and, and release that um, insertion point? And also, can it be used for general abdominal use as well as releasing psoas and that kind of thing? Yeah, so the, the tip that can absolutely be used for um, the psoas, you know, working a little mm-hmm. bit closer um, to the, the midline, you know, to kind of go yeah. along where the, the pathway of the psoas is. Um, you know, in terms of the insertion point, the insertion point is fairly accessible with things like a ball or, you know, um, you know, your fingers or you know, mm-hmm. a foam roll to get to that area. Um, so I typically recommend if people have tension closer to the insertion point, this is kind of, you know, for those of you listening closer to your groin, that's where the, where the, your inner groin is where the, the iliacus and the psoas uh, attached to your leg bone. Um, I would recommend using a ball or something in that area. The hip hook is really designed for the, to get the proper depth and angle specifically right. for that psoas and the iliacus, you know, so that, those are the things you just can't get at with a ball, you know, you just can't get at with, um, with your any finger. other device. Yeah. Your fingers. It's like, right. I mean, believe me, I've tried everything remote controls. It's funny that Karen was talking about using like a dowel rod. I mean, I've tried like spatulas, barricanes, you know, I'm laying on the treatment table, twerking, mm. you know, in different, in different directions to try to get at it on my own. And it's just so awkward, um, you know, and, you know, part of the story was that I was um, practicing in Wisconsin and then moved to California. And then I had all these clients that I was releasing their iliacus that had no one to release their iliacus anymore. And, and they were struggling, you know, they were, their pain was starting to return because they had no tool. And I gave them the ball and like, oh, it wasn't good enough. And, um, you know, so this is part of like my inspiration was to help my, my past clients, you know, to have something that would try to replicate that angular pressure that you couldn't get otherwise, you know. So do you, do you do a lot of, uh, manual therapy on the psoas and the iliacus? Have you found that to be useful in your practice? <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah. And, the, and anterior, anterior sacrum as well. So we get, yeah. we try to get that deep. Um, so yeah, like I said, abdominal work can really change your life. In fact, I've had, I had manual therapy done to help me conceive. And, um, that's Mm -hmm. another place where the iliacus or restrictions around the iliacus can really affect, um, you know, the location of the, um, the ovaries. If you have connective tissue dysfunction there as well. So, uh, you know, kind of another plus, another plus about it. Um, I have another question for you. Do you feel that the iliacus is more of a mover or a stabilizer? I think it's a stabilizer, you know, and I and I mm. notice that because I see so much tension develop in people that need more stability, you know, so I feel like it's, it's mm-hmm. doing its job by doing that. The other thing that's interesting about the iliacus is that it's, it's, it's hard to stretch, you know. It's, it's only, you yeah, know, it's crosses really just that. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can't so, you, you know, can't. Well you know what's 
you know, it's interesting is that, you know, stretching is not great anyway. You know, it's really mobilization that, that creates more mobility within, a, within connective tissue. Um, the research has really not advocated stretching uh, for that, you know, particularly the IT band. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have. Uh, I know that's I have, one of my uh, like. Uh, yeah, <laughs> kids, right. I, I had uh, I had a teacher who's who actually he he was an anatomy professor as well and um, took a forty pound weight and attached it to the IT band and hung it for a month and it did not move. It moved maybe like <laughs> zero zero one. Yeah, but know, that was a dead person. Something ridiculous like that. <laughs> Pardon? But that's a dead person. There's no fluid. There's no. Well, you know what? That you know what? That that is a very that is a very good point. But even like as far as performance is concerned and research, and I I just know in my own practice as far as gaining range of motion, um, you can't beat manual therapy. You really can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's um, you know I, again I um, I endorse your uh, your method for sure because um, it is a difficult place to self treat. Absolutely. And um, such an important area to address when mm-hmm. you have back problems. SI, huge. Um, iliacus is yep. such a major player with that. Um, so it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad you developed this. It will help Thank a lot you. of people. Thank you. I have a question for you as a, as a fellow sure. practitioner. Um, mm-hmm. Do you, what do you, why do you think that the iliacus um and even manual therapy um, is not prevalent, prevalently treated, you know, among physical therapists. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good, very good question because I did advanced training yeah, manual therapy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I studied with the IPA and um, became certified with them. So. Um, mm-hmm. huge manual therapy. In fact, I developed correctisize because I didn't want to give exercises to my patients because I'd rather time with my hands on them. I think it's, I think it's yep. a matter of time. Um, and also kind of a lack of, um, there's just so much to learn in physical therapy school that, um, you know, is, that it, it just doesn't get covered. I think that the, um, you know, I certainly learned massage, but I'm going back now 20-some-odd years, 25 years. But I learned right. um, various different massage techniques, um, none of which I, you know, not the ones that I do, but they were more traditional massage. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that the targeted kind of uh, massage therapy, I also am not sure that there's, the IPA is doing a lot of research on manual therapy. So I think that, um you know, once that becomes more popular and, and they've grown tremendously yeah. in the last 30 years. I mean, they're international now and, um, and that kind of thing. So, and they have, they have a very good program um, for residency and fellowship and, and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it's, it's really, I, I would have to say those are the reasons. Time, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. you don't get a lot of money for your time and sometimes you're going to be, you know, with a ton of other people and, you know, and that kind right. of thing. So I really have to develop my diagnostic skills to know exactly where to mobilize to, to, to release. And, um, you know, it just, uh, you know, again, new grads, they have to learn a lot of other conceptual things that, uh, you know, right. that's just not part of priority. Unfortunately, well, that's why med- medical doctors because, don't you know, know any of this stuff. 
Right. It's oh, well, let me tell you, I've worked on a lot of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know, right? included. Yeah. So I, I can I can I can attest to that. And you know, again, like I said, it's it's really a life changer and, and I certainly um it changed my life, which is why I continue to study. So I you know, I was blessed to have all of this work done on me. And, um, you know, and now I'm kind of bringing it to the correct size program. So I'm teaching lay people on how to, how to do these techniques on themselves, or at least get a taste of it. And then hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, they'll pursue some sort of manual work in the future. Great. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also, you know, recommending therapists that I know, as well as organizations like Burrell and that kind of thing. I mean, when you talk about viscera, mm-hmm. You know, it's another um, really important area. And I would also say that, um, you know, anyone who's had abdominal surgery, I have two very good friends that both had, Mm -hmm. um, one had laparoscopic, the other one had an open procedure. Two years later, both of them developed hernias. Mm. And it's because Mm -hmm. of scar tissue. And the scar tissue wasn't addressed in their abdomen. So you need to have that mobility. Obviously, it can't. You know, it can't occur, um, you know, until that that's, those tissues are healed, you know, because um, you certainly don't want to break up, you know, scar tissue that's developing. But once it's developed, needed, right? it really needs it. Yeah, even the skin, you know, is restricted on individuals from oh, the yeah, scar. Sure. So anybody also who had a hysterectomy or a um, – or a um, – uh, C-section or a hernia mm-hmm. surgery, they're all going to have, even if it is um, laparoscopic, then it, you know, it, it has the potential to develop all of these different issues. So, you know, if I could make the world a better place, I'd, <laughs> I'd have you everybody, are? you know, be able to move <laughs> to, you know, to move, to move their connective tissue because that's how people become injured from trauma. Yep. You know, there's no Absolutely. mobility within the system. So, mm-hmm. yep. yeah, so keep up the good work. And, uh, yeah, maybe we can connect further. I would love that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, uh, one last um, question. If we have, do we have time? Yeah, sure. If you do. Okay. Uh, just a quick question. Um, because I, caught, I came on quickly um, or later on. When you were, were you talking about Pilates and the Pilates V? And how? And um, what, were you talking about the iliacus with regard to that? I was curious. Yeah, yeah. Bit. We were talking about um, we were talking about how when the iliacus or the psoas is holding tension already, and then you ask it to work. Um, mm. Just it's it's like you're asking something that's already fatigued and already has been working for like twenty four seven for I don't know decades um, to to actually contract and hold you in place and how that just perpetuates or makes more angry the situation um, that okay. you know with Pilates is, is a wonderful tool that would would be amazing if the iliacus and the psoas were happy first before they entered mm-hmm. into that type of activity you know so it's the importance right. of having you know as, asking a happy muscle to work versus a tight and unhappy mm-hmm. muscle to work yeah it takes about a hundred times longer um, to do and yeah, I've noticed that too. I because I um, I'm a devotee of Pilates, and uh, yeah, I would also agree with you that it's um, when the muscles work 
the way that they're supposed to work, Pilates is wonderful. And, uh, yep. you know, it's changed my body. But if um, when you're, when you're, and, you know, honestly, any kind of exercise that's done on an ineffective body, I use this, you know, uh, analogy all the time. It's like driving a car on a flat tire. You would never do it. Yep. Right. But, yep. yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you. All right. Yeah, thanks, CL. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate that. Oh, thank you. All right. Bye, That's guys. Great. I'll be listening. Bye, guys. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna mute you, DL. And uh, Christine, one last question is that uh, people are saying, "Hey, I, I see that you have this kit. Um, what's the ball for?" <laughs> so, so for people looking at the website, <laughs> we're talking about uh, the Hip Hook website, KarenCan.com forward slash Hip Hook, and for ten percent off, uh, the coupon code is B R K A R E N, which is Dr. Karen, all one word. Okay. So, Christine, tell us about this ball. Yeah, so in the book, um, you know, I talk all about the hip flexor, how it works, psoas, iliacus, why it would be tight, what it would be doing to your body, um, why you should care, you know, how you would tell if you have a tight iliacus or not. Um, and then and then there's the, the intervention piece, like what do I do if I have tension in this muscle? So we've talked a lot about the hip hook. Uh, the ball can be used also in the same location with the hip hook on the front of the body as a different way of getting at the psoas. Now, it does not get at the iliacus, but it would get at the psoas to some degree, and it's, it can be effective, and it's also a great way to start if you're, you know, using both and maybe want to kind of warm up the area. Mm. In the book, I talk about three simple steps that are necessary for you to resolve tension in this area. The first is obviously to release the iliacus like we were talking about. The second step is to release the back of the hip. So this is where your piriformis and your glute, some of the deep hip rotators are. These muscles, like I mentioned earlier, will become tight because they're playing tug of war with the muscles in the front of your body and the hip hook that the hip hook addresses. So once you address the front of the body with the hip hook and the ball, you can address the back of the body, the back of the hip, with the ball, also. Mm. And this just 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 improves the um, success of the release in the front of the hip. Because if you release the front of the hip and the back of the hip is still pulling on playing tug of war, then the front of the hip is going to join back in again. Um, So that's step two. And then step three that I talk about in the book is a realignment exercise. Because if you've had tension in the front of your hip, it's likely your pelvis is out of alignment. Like we talked about that anterior tilt or that, um, that forward tilt of your hip or your pelvis then we want to put that back into place. So there's an exercise that I talk about, the third step, which is the realignment exercise, which will help pull that pelvic bone back into alignment, which, again, improves the success of your endeavor. So all three mm. together, you get the book, you get the ball, you get the hip hook, and so you can do all three steps and really master this area of your body. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, speaking of the the the, uh, the back part, you know, the glute medius and, you know, the, the minimus and tensor fasciae and all those different areas. And I just want to be clear that the hip hook is not made for those because it could break it, right? Like it's mostly made, it's made for the iliacus and the psoas. It's made for the iliacus. It wouldn't be comfortable to use in any of those other areas. <laughs> Oh, you know, I tried I it, and I thought, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this. <laughs> maybe I'm going to break this thing, yeah. so I'm going to, I'm just going to not not do that. And uh, but I, you know, I'm diehard, so I'm like, let me try. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to stick this thing everywhere I can. <laughs> yep, that's right. I love this thing. 
was awesome. Um, yeah, but it's it's brilliant the way it's it's made and just you know being able to change the angle. I mean that little lever. Oh, I mean absolutely brilliant. I mean there's nothing else on the market that can do that. And and I bought a lot of you know paraphernalia in my house. Yeah, uh, try different things and <laughs> I I'm, like you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's the it's the best. It's cool. Uh, so, uh, Christine, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I see that right on, on the website, you've got your links to the, the YouTube and Facebook, and so people can connect with Christine there as well and check, take a look at these awesome uh, YouTube uh, videos and, you know, how to use the hip hook. Um, like I said, you know, people already investing in that, uh, you know, after we emailed them about today. And um, I think it's great because, uh, you know, it works. That's the bottom line. It works. And I love showcasing people doing awesome. amazing things and changing the world. Yes. And I'm grateful to be able to share this with all of you. And I want everyone to know that's listening that if you have questions or, you know, that, that are unanswered, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to help. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah. Great. Uh, so I'm uh, just going to share the website again. My affiliate link is karencan.com forward slash hip hook, all one word. And the coupon code for 10% off is Dr. Karen, D-R-K-A-R-E-N, all in capitals. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening in, either live or on the replay. And again, Christine, thank you so much for joining us. We had such a big, amazing time. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Karen. Okay, bless you. Bless everyone. Bye for now. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.